We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We're recording this episode on Wednesday, March 15th. It's officially the first day of the new league year in 2023 for the NFL season. And there has already been a lot of uh, free agent activity, a lot of stuff to talk about here for the Bears offseason in particular. Um, they've been pretty active here to start off the offseason. A, of, a lot of exciting stuff to really talk about and get into here that we're going to be covering today. But before we do that, you said, uh, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well, and you mentioned it. I mean, free agency kind of kicked off on Monday with the legal tampering period. But if you're the Bears, your offseason really began not when you secured the number one overall pick, but really when the Bears made that massive trade for DJ Moore in a hall of draft picks, which kind of, I think, really set expectations higher than a lot of people are willing to admit. Yeah, let's get into that trade right away, like to start things off here. So the Bears making a huge splash trade, the Carolina Panthers, uh, this happened on Friday evening, I believe, right before the start of uh, the legal tampering period on Monday. But huge trade here with the Bears giving away their or swapping their number one overall pick with the Carolina Panthers for their ninth overall selection. So what Bears are getting here in a trade down with the Carolina Panthers is the ninth overall pick this year in the first round, a second round pick this year, 61 overall, a first round pick next year a second-round pick in 2025 from the Carolina Panthers, and D.J. Moore, a number-one wide receiver. Finally, Justin Fields getting gets that number-one wide receiver that we've been hoping that he could get over the last few years or so, and he finally has that guy to throw to now, D.J. Moore. And, uh, when I heard about this trade, he said, um, I was really excited. It happened on a Friday night, um, kind of as things were kind of winding down for me. And I hear, you know, I check my phone, check the news, and I see that the Bears made this big trade with the Carolina Panthers. 
Um, and the first thing we saw was that the trade was coming. Then when I saw that DJ Moore was involved with it, that they're getting a player out of it, I was really excited. This is a trade where, you know, when, when this is something that I was mocking, you know, trade down opportunities um, and, you know, in my mock drafts or whatever, just kind of going through all the different scenarios. I never saw this as a scenario because I never thought that the Carolina Panthers would be willing to part with DJ Moore as part of a trade-up. I, I always thought that, you know, they'd be trading up for a quarterback. Why would they give up their number one wide receiver in order to make that happen? And clearly the Panthers were, you know, desperate enough to go up and move up for a quarterback that they felt like they could move on from DJ Moore and feel like they could replace him at some point. And I found that to be very interesting. It sounds like the way the negotiation process went that Ryan Poles, basically the Carolina Panthers were willing to give up a 2025 first round pick. And Ryan Poles basically put, you know, a line in the sand and said, you know, the only, only reason we're making this trade or the only way this trade goes through is if you give us DJ Moore instead, we'll take out a first round pick, but we have to have DJ Moore involved in this trade in order for you guys to come up and get the number one pick. Um, and it looks like the, the Panthers bl- blinked first made the trade and this is exciting. The bears, their first big move of the off season, getting a number one wide receiver, for Justin Fields, really exciting stuff here for um, the bears to kind of kick things off here. What were your thoughts on the trade you said? Well, I think we knew it was coming. And what I mean by that is we knew the bears were going to trade out of number one overall, but more specifically and more than anything, you and I were on this podcast labeling the Carolina Panthers as a team to watch. And why we said, Look, we said this back in January, if we're going to be honest. We said that the Panthers were a team to watch because they don't have a future at quarterback. They just hired Frank Reich, who many consider to be a quarterback guru. And then on top of all that, you've got the owner, David Tepper, in Carolina, who is hungry for a Super Bowl. And he's hungry to win. He wants a long-term solution. He is done playing the quarterback carousel game. And so it is not surprising to see the Bears and Panthers make this trade at all for the first overall pick. Now, from the Panthers' perspective, it does get a bit muddy here simply because you gave up your second-round pick this year, despite the fact that you have some flexibility because you traded Christian McCaffrey midseason to the San Francisco 49ers, and then you gave up your first-rounder next year, which could very likely end up being a top-10 pick, and you're going to take a quarterback. So now the question is, how do you go about acquiring more draft capital you also gave up your number one wide receiver in dj Moore. from the bears perspective i mean you don't know what the 2025 class is going to look like just yet so in broad context i mean a first round pick in 2025 is not worth as much as dj Moore. like a first round pick sounds great on paper but Give me the instant impact wide receiver every day of the week. Now, for DJ Moore, what this means is this, is that the Bears were linked to a number of wide receivers this offseason, right? Everyone have talked about how they need to go out and they need to find that A.J. Brown for, like the A.J. Brown to Jalen Hurts, for example, or the Tyree Kill to Patrick Mahomes, the Stephon Diggs to Josh Allen. This is the Bears' big trade here and really what it is is this is the first significant move that we're seeing from ryan poles in the sense that hey this is how i want to go about building this roster out so ryan poles is basically reshaping this roster how he sees fit and you know with the ninth overall pick given the way that free agency's gone which we'll get into here i seriously think that 
this team's gonna select an offensive lineman just because the value there is perfect, especially in that like late top 10 to like mid first round. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that as we go on with the podcast here. But, you know, sticking on DJ Moore in the topic there, um, you know, you bring up some of the other wide receiver trades that have happened over the past few years. AJ Brown kind of sticks out here. Uh, if you want to go back to even like, uh, Stefan Dix trade, even, um, you know, in all those situations and all those trades, you saw teams in order to get those wide receivers giving up, you know, valuable draft capital in order to bring these guys in. What I, what I found, you know, kind of like a boss move by polls here when making this deal was, you know, not only did he not give up premium draft capital, he got premium draft capital in order to get DJ Moore here. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of a cool thing for polls that not only is he taking another team's number one wide receiver, who's already under contract for three more years, but he's getting a, a future first round pick and other draft assets along with that wide receiver. So, um, you know, really shrewd move by Ryan polls to make that happen. And, you know, he's going to be just feels best friend. I think you know, DJ Moore again, he, is he an elite wide receiver necessarily? No, I don't think he's in that top 10 range of guys, but I think he's in that second tier of, you know, maybe even second or third tier of, you know, in that 15 range, 15-ish wide you know, 15 or so best wide receiver in the NFL right now, a true number one guy, a good separator, good route runner, has good ability after the catch, has the ability to take the top of a defense with his speed, you know, very athletic guy, and a very perfect fit, I think, for Luke Getz's offense in terms of being able to get open on, open on crossing routes, get the ball in his hands, you know, underneath and get yards after the catch. Um there's a lot, a lot of reasons to really like the addition of DJ Moore here. And, you know, from a contract's perspective, he's going to have a higher cap hit this year. He's got two years guaranteed left on his deal, but, you know, three-year contract, basically, they don't owe any prorated signing bonus money to him. Maybe they restructure at some point if they decide to bring in another big name or, or two um, this offseason. But overall, like, you know, it's pretty clean from a contract standpoint. You know, he's get, he's not making a ton of money for um, what the Bears are asking him to be, which is to be their number one wide receiver. Um, and you combine that with the draft capital that they get in return for this. I mean, there's no reason not to like this trade for the Bears. You know, we'll talk about some things that they've done so far that maybe I'm not a fan of so far in this offseason. But um, when you look at the big, you know, headlining move for the offseason for the Bears with this trade here, um, I mean, this is a slam dunk home run, home run trade by Ryan Poles to make this happen. And like you said, number nine overall, they have a lot of options for what, for what they want to do there. So, you know, if they want to get an offensive lineman, if they, if defensive lineman falls to them at that point in the draft, whether, or maybe if they want to go cornerback or, you know, maybe even go wide receiver again, double dip at the position or trade down even further. Like they still have a ton of options there at number nine overall. And, you know, it just opens up things for their offseason in terms of what they can do in the draft and really makes things, uh, you know, exciting for the options that they have here. So let's move on from the DJ Moore trade because I think we could talk about that all day. But the Bears, you know, with free agency starting up on Monday with the legal tampering period, you know, they certainly have been pretty active and they made some, you know, pretty significant signings. Um, over the first few days of free agency here. We're still in the early stages. I'm sure there's probably going to be some more signings that um, we're going to have to get to by the time that this podcast drops. Or Again, we're recording this on a Wednesday here. So I'm sure by Thursday and Friday, there's going to be more signings to kind of talk about, maybe you know additional moves that the Bears make. But for the purpose of the guys that they signed on the first couple of days of free agency here, um, you know, a couple of big moves kind of stand out for me. Obviously getting TJ Edwards at linebacker from the Philadelphia Eagles on a three-year, $19.5 million deal. 
you know, in my, my opinion, you say very good value there, but I also found it interesting that they double dipped at the linebacker market here, um, signing Tremaine Edmonds to a three-year deal worth or four-year deal worth $72 million, $18 million per year, $50 million guaranteed. So essentially a three-year $50 million deal for Tremaine Edmonds is what it's kind of, kind of going to work out to be in the end. Um, you know, this was this was something that kind of <laughs> was interesting to me because, you know, linebacker was obviously a need going into the year for the Bears, although you can kind of argue, like, how big of a need it was compared to some of the other positions. But clearly, Matt Eberflus being a linebacker guy, you know, we knew that he wanted to invest at this position in, in some capacity, making big moves here to kind of bring into the line, to bring some talent into the linebacker room. What are your thoughts on these signings? I mean, you mentioned it perfectly. The TJ Edwards signing was massive value. And he's actually, I think, one of the first signings of free agency that broke. When that happened, I'm like, okay, they definitely must have really paid for TJ Edwards. And then you look and see and you're like, three years, $19 million. I mean, that right there is a contract that you would give a rotational linebacker. And TJ Edwards is not here to be a rotational linebacker. TJ Edwards is here with the way that the market is going to be a starter. Now, whether he plays at Sam, Will, or Mike, that's to be determined. Obviously, we know that Jack Sanborn's likely going to end up at that Will spot, putting TJ Edwards at the um, Mike's – well, not at the Mike spot, but at the Will spot and then – or at the Sam spot, I'm sorry. And you're probably going to have Tremaine Edmonds be the Mike. Now – Tremaine Edmonds is such an interesting signing. Number one, because I think the Bears, when free agency opened, we heard them link to Edwards, but Bobby Okikare, who signed with the New York Giants. And again, he was Bobby was with Matt Eberflus in Indianapolis. But what makes the Edmonds signing so significant is that you are getting this insanely talented 24, almost 25-year-old linebacker who's played in a 4-3 defense. Now, the only question is, is what is his fit in this defense? You know, do they see him as being the Mike linebacker, the guy that can kind of stop the run, the guy that can just drop back in coverage, you know, match up against tight ends and wide receivers? We've seen comparisons when Edmonds was coming out of Virginia Tech, calling him Brian Erlacher light with just the way he moves. You go back to that that 2018 NFL draft. And really it was Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds that people had flip flop at one and two. And I understand that there's a large contingency of people out there that are not a fan of this signing simply because he is getting around $18 million a year, I believe. But the reality I think of the entire situation comes down to the fact that, you know, there's a big difference between 18 and $20 million a year for a linebacker in the NFL. Let's just get that out of the way. Number two, I think you also have to understand that what this comes down to more than anything is the Bears believe that Edmonds brings more than Roquan Smith ever did. And number three, let's just be honest, Roquan Smith was drafted to play in Vic Fangio's 3-4 defense, okay? The Bears brought in Edmonds because they believe he can thrive in Matt Eberflus's 4-3 defense. Another point people have to keep in mind is a simple fact that when you look at Roquan Smith coming out of Georgia, he was basically labeled Patrick Willis 2.0. Who, again, if you remember about 10 years ago, Patrick Willis was the heart and soul of those 49ers defenses under Harbaugh and Fangio. So really this was something where I think the Bears kind of dipped their toes and they 
dipped their toes heavy into the linebacker market. They threw money at a couple guys, but at the end of the day, the Edmonds signing is the big fish that they reeled in simply because they felt like from a value standpoint, you could not pass up on a guy like Tremaine Edmonds. And again, he'll be 28, 29 years old when his current contract expires so there's a chance that he even earns a second contract in chicago sports betting continues to take over the sports world and with fall right around the corner there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own tvs if you're like me you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can our friends at oz trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, Odds Trader even compares the signup codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best signup codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets. Yeah, I mean, Tremaine Evans, he's still 24 years old technically right now. I think he's going to be 25 at some point during this upcoming season, but he's a young player still. I mean, you could technically argue that he's still developing as a player. Um, I'll, I'll say this, the TJ Edwards signings, love that signing. I think that was one of the better value signings that we saw throughout the entire NFL in, in the early portion of the free agency that we've seen so far. Like again, to get him on about six and a half million dollars per year for how he played last year at the Eagles, really over the past couple of years with the Eagles, where he's been a very underrated player, I think. And he's a local kid, you know, went to Lakes High School in um, the Lake Villa area here in Illinois, Lake County. So, um, you know, he's a Chicago kid. He's in the, you know, Chicago area kid, I should say. So obviously a Bears fan. And that's maybe why they got him on a little bit of a discount here, him willing to play for his, you know, kind of, I guess, quote-unquote hometown team, so to speak. So pretty cool to see that there for T.J. Edwards, and I think he's going to add a lot there. Um, I see him as being the Mike in this defense. I think, you know, he's not the most athletic guy in the world, so I think in Ibrahim's defense, he's going to kind of be that Mike role where he's going to be more of a run-stuffing presence in the middle of the defense there. I can definitely see that being the fit. Tremaine Edmonds, I think he's going to be playing the will in that Shaquille uh, Leonard role that – you know, Iberflus had for the Colts, you know, I think Evans kind of fits that to a T, you know, a longer guy, athletic, rangy linebacker who can kind of, you know, run all over the field and use his ability again, with his, his size and his long arms and, you know, his range to kind of just make plays and impact plays, you know, the Evans signing, while I love the, the, uh, the TJ Edwards signing, I'll say this. I'm not as big of a fan on the Edmonds signings as I was the TJ Edwards signing because to me, when you trade a guy like Roquan Smith away, and I think there were a lot of reasons why they moved on from Roquan Smith, obviously the contract issues and you know the how that negotiation played out probably played a role in that. But I don't think Poles and Eberflus ever were, you know, big fans on keeping Roquan long um long term, even before the contract negotiations started. I always felt like, you know, Roquan was not a fit for 
Eberflus and kind of mold that, you know, he wants from his linebackers. You go back to his Colts days and his Cowboys days. They always brought in linebackers that, you know, kind of look like Tremaine Edmonds. Like they're bigger guys, longer guys, you know, long arms, long limbs to be able to, you know, stack and shed linebackers, get in passing lanes with their long arms and stuff like that. Not Roquan Smith. That's not really his game. You know, he's a kind of shorter, stockier linebacker who can, you know, he has that speed and instincts to run all over the field and cover guys, but he's more of a, you know, man coverage linebacker or match zone coverage linebacker. Whereas, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is kind of more of a better fit for traditional zone defenses where he can use those long arms to get into passing lanes and deflect passes and whatnot. So it just makes more sense from a fit standpoint, I think from, um, type of linebackers that they're looking for. But where I get hung up on the whole thing is the fact that, again, when you trade a guy like Roquan Smith away, you're basically indicating that you're not willing to pay, you know, top of the market money for linebacker, which is a non-premium position. And then they go and turn around, and not only do they sign T.J. Edwards to a decent deal, but they also, once again, sign Edmonds to a top-of-the-market contract. Again, $18 million doesn't, you know, set the market or anything like that, but it is near the top of the market for linebackers in a year where there were a lot of quality free agent linebackers available. And one of the guys that I was looking forward to maybe signing was, you know, Bobby Okariki from the Indianapolis Colts who signed with the Giants for, I think, four years, $10 million per season. You know, is Tremaine Edmonds really, truly, in terms of a value standpoint to a football team, like he may be like a significantly better player than Bobby Okariki, you know, individually, but from a value to the defense standpoint, in terms of the actual impact that he has on a football team, on, on, on a defense, is he really worth $8 million more per year? And that's where I get stuck on this entire thing. Because again, linebacker, and we'll get into this more as we get to like the Bears strategy moving forward and what they haven't addressed so far, which you know, we're going to get into that. But, you know, linebackers, it, it, it's a position where I always feel like the quality of play is very reliant on what you have around the linebacker and not necessarily derivative of the quality of the linebacker itself. There are very few linebackers who, you know, make as much of an impact um, individually as, as many of the other top defenders in the league to be able to be worth that, that top of the market contract. So that's where I kind of get hung up on the entire thing. Am I making any sense there by having that take you said, or am I, am I crazy here? No, I think you're hundred ten percent right. And again, you and I, (laughs) I mean, I have a bit of a smile on my face right now because I do agree with a lot of what you said there. I mean, and if we're going to be honest, right, like there's this sense of optimism coming from and we're very cutthroat, by the way, on this podcast. But there's a sense of optimism coming from the fan base, which is, hey, you traded away Roquan Smith and you got an additional second round pick and now you have two twos. There is some truth to that, but also the reality of this comes down to like kind of what I said earlier is that the Bears valued a guy like Edmonds more simply because of the measurables compared to a guy like Roquan Smith. Now, is Edmonds ever going to be as good as a guy like Brian Erlacher? He's still a long way off from that. Roquan Smith, I think we kind of saw what he was. And this isn't to discredit a guy like Roquan Smith anyway. It's just more so like the Bears felt like they had an upgrade here and Edmonds over Roquan that they clearly went after. Now, in terms of the TJ Edwards signing, you're right. You're getting a player three years, $19 million at an insane value. 
when the season begins, I would not be surprised to see TJ Edwards being labeled as one of the best value free agent signings, just because something does tell me he's going to outplay his contract and then hopefully ask for an extension a couple years down the line. But the reality is that it's just like this linebacking core. And I think this roster in general was so lacking talent that whoever the bears bring in now, whether it's a guy like a Nate Davis or a DeMarcus Walker, or even a depth signing like Travis Homer, you could almost consider it a bit of an upgrade. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the roster, especially when you factor in the DJ Moore trade and, you know, some of the other moves that they made is definitely better than what it was at the beginning of the offseason. And you look at their linebacker core. Now you're looking at where you have TJ Edwards at that Mike linebacker position, uh, Edmonds is your will. Sanborn can kind of be there at strong side linebacker when they go to three linebacker packages. Um, you know, it's looking like a very, very good linebacker core, if not one of the best linebacker cores in the NFL. You're getting two guys that, you know, graded well last year when it comes to pro football focus. Um, two guys that, you know, have the ability and coverage to make plays that can stop the run and can make plays sideline to sideline, although Edmonds is a little bit more of that profile as a sideline to sideline guy. Um, but you know, again, like I said, um, for me, it, the the entire holdup has not much to do with Edmonds as a player. I think he's a good player, whether he's worth the price tag or not. I'm still a little bit questionable on that um, because, again, he's coming off of really his only first good, like legitimately good season um, last year. And there's two ways to look at that. You can look at that as, you know, he's a young player getting drafted at 19 years old, coming out of Virginia Tech. It kind of took him a while for things to kind of click in the NFL, and it finally did click for him last year, and this is what we're getting for the remainder of, you know, his career moving forward. Or you can look at it, at it as, you know, as a guy who was very inconsistent in his first four years, and he finally put it all together for a contract year, but is going to regress back to the, to what he was before because now he's got the contract, he's got the money and all that stuff. So, you know, there's, there's two ways to look at it. Ultimately, like we know that Iberflu's values a linebacker position. We know that he has a very specific type for what he wants in that group. And we know that Iberflu's can really coach the heck out of the linebacker position. So I think, I think if Edmonds, if you're going to, pay him top money anywhere and significantly invest in him. The best place is probably Chicago here with Eberflus in tow, because you know that Eberflus is going to be able to coach him up and get the most out of him. So I hope that's a sign that works out, but there are some other signings that um, the bears made as well. Some kind of like under the radar signings too, that we're going to talk about here. Uh, first of all, defensive end to Marcus Walker being signed by uh, the Chicago bears to a three year, $21 million deal or so, uh, basically around $7 million per season, $16 million guarantee, which I found to be pretty interesting there. Um, Walker is a, a very versatile player um, coming from the Tennessee Titans, where he had a bit of a breakout season for them last year. Former second-round pick who's been kind of a journeyman player throughout his career, but found a home last year with the Titans, um, had seven sacks last year. He has over 30 pressures in each of the last two seasons, according to Pro Football Focus. A guy at about 280 pounds who's kind of versatile, can play inside, can play outside um, in your defensive fronts. They're bringing him in here to kind of play, I think, in my opinion, that Denico Autry role of, you know, playing defensive end on early downs and then kick inside to rush a passer from the interior on third downs here. So bringing him in there. And then Travis Homer running back from the Seattle Seahawks on a two-year, $4.5 million deal. Um, a guy who 
special teams player, um, third down back specialist, you know, probably going to be, you know, the third string guy in the rotation here with whoever they decide to bring in. So the rest of the running back room, uh, you say, when you look at these signings, you know, what are your initial impressions on both of these players and what do you think their fits are going to be for this team moving forward into this year and beyond that? I mean, look, the Bears needed running back depth, so to keep it short and sweet, the Travis Homer signing was just one where it broke minutes after David Montgomery went ahead and signed his three-year, $18 million deal with the Lions. Travis Homer at this point is just depth. When you look at the Bears last year, I mean, it's clear Khalil Herbert's running back one. I do foresee this team taking a running back at some point in the draft to kind of build out this running back by committee. You look at the Demarcus Walker signing. I mean, I originally was not the biggest fan of it at first, and I'm still not the biggest fan of it just because I think three years, $21 million, super expensive for a guy who has basically been a journeyman, is on his fourth team and is just 28 years old. And then on top of that, you look at it, right? He had, what, seven sacks last year and set career highs in sacks, quarterback hits, as well as tackles for loss. The main thing to understand is that the Bears, for whatever reason, just value these low-risk, high-reward guys in free agency. You look at Justin Jones last year, again, a player who was a rotational guy his first four years, enters his fifth season with the L.A. Chargers, and just has a breakout campaign and gets a pretty decent payday. You look at Dean Muhammad, too, was in New Orleans, was with Eberflus and the Colts, and all of a sudden has six and a half sacks, and he's well on his way to signing a big deal. Now... I think Demarcus Walker falls into that category as well. Obviously, Walker is more versatile than Jones or Al-Qadine Muhammad, but it's just something that you look at and you say, okay, it's very clear that the Bears were trying to swing for the fences on D-line here, but they really settled because as soon as Draymond Jones went off the market, I mean, Demarcus Walker went off the market, and then guys started flying off especially for DTs left and right. And then you look at Nate Davis too, a guy who, again, is only 26, 27 years old. So kind of on his second contract now with the bears, he's, I think going to be a player that ends up starting simply because the bears don't really have a lot of options right now. And his experience is going to triumph anyone that this team brings in outside of like a high first, second or third round pick. And then just moments ago, ESPN reporting that the bears have signed quarterback PJ Walker on what is supposed to be, I think a one year deal. So the bears got a new backup quarterback and you look at that. I mean, PJ Walker, basically a journeyman spent time with the Colts as well as the Houston Texans. And I think the Carolina Panthers, right? So now it's just, so it's a two year deal for PJ Walker, by the way, but it's just something where, you know, we're entering that stage now where it's just all about depth for this team. And, you know, I think if you were to ask me, like, what's your overall grade for the bears free agency based on what we've seen the first like three or four days, I would probably have to give it a, B, but that's probably being super generous on my part. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, we have to mention that. Uh, we're having breaking news on the podcast here as the Bears, like you said, said are signing P.J. Walker from the Carolina Panthers, backup quarterback, on a two-year deal, looks like. That's what I'm seeing right now. So it looks like a two-year deal for P.J. Walker, and he's coming in to be the backup quarterback to Justin Fields is what it's being reported as. This is what Schefter is saying right now. He's trying to get confirmation on two-year deals, um, whether it's a one-year deal, two-year deal or not. Um, that's very interesting. I'm not sure what to make of that right now. I don't really have any like concrete thoughts on P.J. Walker. You know, P.J. Walker – Hasn't really been good in the NFL, but he had like a legendary game last season against the Buccaneers for the Panthers where he got an opportunity and he just, he just killed in that game. He had, I think he had like three touchdown passes um, in that contest there. I'll play Tom Brady and whatnot. At least that's what my memory has, but um, yeah, interesting signing there. I did not see the bears, um, you know, being aggressive for a backup quarterback like that, which Trevor Simeon on the contract, but clearly it looks like they're going to be going another direction here is what it sounds like at the backup quarterback position. So, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it makes a lot of sense there, I guess. We'll see what the exact details of are, are the deal going forward here. Um, has a connection with DJ Moore as well, coming from the Carolina Panthers. So um, that, that'll be interesting. But uh, certainly back to the other signs that we talked about here, Travis Homer and Demarcus Walker, Travis Homer, like, like you, I don't really have a ton of thoughts on that. Like he's a third down back. He's a special teamers guy. It sounds like from a lot of people that I know who cover the Seattle Seahawks that, you know, he's a very good pass blocker, which I know was concerned for a lot of bears fans because, you know, Khalil Herbert, he's kind of set to be the number one running back for the bears as of right now. He is not a very good pass blocker. In fact, I'd say he's he's a pretty horrific pass blocker as it stands right now in the backfield. He's definitely not a threat out of the backfield as a receiver outside of like screens and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not something that you know you definitely want him on the field for. So, Homer kind of adds some value as a pass protector on third downs, a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit, has some speed in the open field, but. I think most of his value is going to come on, on being a special teams guy. He was a career special teamer for the, the Seattle Seahawks. So a guy who's going to be a third string running back, third down running back, special team guy, you know, there's not too much to say about that really. Um, Demarcus Walker can kind of open up a lot longer of a discussion though, because the bears, we all know the defensive line and pass rush was a huge, huge need going into uh, the off season here. <laughs> but unfortunately the, they really haven't invested a ton um, so far at the defensive line this offseason. In fact, I think as it stands right now, Walker's the only signing that they've made at defensive line um, in free agency so far. So I found that to be very interesting. Like Walker in and of itself is not a bad signing. I think he's a pretty solid value here, uh, value at $7 million per year. 
probably a little bit more than I thought he would have gotten based off of um, he kind of his reputation and um, you know, what he's done in the league as a pro, but it was coming off a really good year at the Titans, um, 60 million guaranteed. It basically locks him in for two years here for the bears. So I'm not sure I'm as big of a fan of the, the heavy guarantees like that. Um, but you know, Walker, I think I see him as a rotational guy for the Bears here long term. If they can find a replacement for him, you know, he's a guy who, again, like I said, he has the flexibility to be an inside outside rusher, um, you know, kind of do a lot of things within the rotation there. So I don't see him as being a long term starter for the Bears here. I certainly don't think that was his role with the Titans. He only played 30% of the snaps or so with the Titans last year on their defense. So, Clearly a guy who's better suited, I think, as a rotational backup where he can kind of be a versatile piece in your pass rush. But the Bears do need anyone that can get after the quarterback consistently. And, you know, Walker was a guy that over the last two years that has done that. So kind of an under-the-radar player. I don't mind the signing. I think it's a pretty good value there. So you definitely got to take that. But um, one more signing that we talked about as well before we got to get into kind of the bigger picture here. Uh, Nate Davis, interior offensive lineman, being signed by the Bears on a three-year, $30 million deal as well. I think about $20 million guaranteed. So, shoring up the offensive line for the Bears, it sounds like uh, Nate Davis coming over from the Tennessee Titans as well uh, is going to be the left guard for the Bears here, even though he's been a right guard for his entire career. Very interesting um, signing there. What do you make of that signing by the Bears, getting Nate Davis from the Titans? Yeah, I mean, I think the Bears just went ahead and hired – the Titans run game coordinator so this certainly makes sense but for me and I mentioned this briefly earlier this is all about youth and upside for me when it comes to kind of what the Bears are trying to do here right you you look at this offensive line and we've heard rumors about them possibly reshuffling things around and I should say I mean when you only have two offensive linemen you've got five spots to fill there are reshuffling that should naturally take place but you look at Nate Davis I mean he's 26 years old gonna be 27 soon he's a guy who has enough starting experience under his belt to the point where you know a lot of these offensive linemen that kind of sign on day one were getting paid big contracts right with Nate Davis the 10 million a year seems pretty reasonable but with that also comes incredibly high expectations and the Bears are in a bit of a conundrum here because they are as a result of the signing gonna have to do a little bit of reshuffling on the O-line you look at where does Nate Davis fit he's only played right guard his entire career well do you kick him over to left guard if you kick him over to left guard what do you do with Cody White here? Are you designating him as a post-June first cut, or are you moving him to center? But then where does that put Lucas Patrick? So this is a signing I like, but the Bears are really going to have to think through how they want to go about building out the interior of this offensive line. Because if I'm going to be honest, I'm skeptical on Tevin Jenkins' future simply because of the massive injury history. But if he found his voice at right guard last year, considering how badly the Bears mishandled that entire situation, not just from a football standpoint, but more so from a PR standpoint, it just makes, I think, more sense to keep Jenkins at right guard and not move him to hope he finds his consistency and can play a full season fully healthy. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how they shuffle around uh, the interior group there because, like I said before, 
Nate Davis is a career right guard. He's a right guard going back to college. He's a right guard his entire career in the NFL so far as a Titans. So do you keep him at the same spot where he's comfortable, where he has a ton of experience in the NFL at, or do you switch him over to left guard where there's going to be a bit of an adjustment there? And again, it's not like Madden where you can just switch these guys all over the place and expect it to work out. Like they're going to have to figure out, you know, it's, it's a whole new thing playing from the right to left side, I think. And a lot of offensive linemen would say this is that the, the transition from right side to left side and vice versa is a lot tougher than fans want to make it out to be. So um, I'm very curious to see how they handle that there. Honestly, the way I see it is you have to keep Nate, Nate Davis at right guard and probably move Tevin Jenkins to the left side and see if that works out there. Because I agree with you. I don't think Tevin Jenkins with this regime in particular, I don't think this regime um, sees Tevin Jenkins right now as a solidified part of their core moving forward, you know, just, just call it a hunch, call it a feeling, but you know, I, I just don't think that this regime likes Tevin Jenkins as a long-term piece. I shouldn't say doesn't like him, but um, doesn't see him as a proven long-term piece right now. I think he's got a lot to prove, you know, the injury issues are still a problem. Um, there are some inconsistencies in pass protection last year that he's going to have to work on, um, you know, but he was a dominant player in the run game for them. So I'm not sure, you know, what the deal is going to be there. How they're going to handle center is going to be interesting because I thought for sure that they were going to address center this offseason. And, you know, Ethan Pochich, the top center on the market, signed back with Cleveland. Uh, Garrett Bradbury signed back with the Vikings. So not a ton of options out there at center right now. It sounds like, I guess, like, do you put Cody Whitehair back at center and then Lucas Patrick is your swing guy in the interior like that? I, I guess that could make some sense. But, yeah, they're going to have to do some shuffling and figure that out. But, you know, the, the surprising thing for me was that looking at this Bears offseason, that is that there was a couple of positions that they did not address that I thought they would. And we can kind of talk about this from a bigger picture about what the Bears are going to do from here now, uh, looking forward to the rest of this offseason here, because there are still a ton of needs. And I look at two areas of this roster that need to be addressed moving forward. Uh, right tackle, you know, I thought for sure that they were going to sign one of those top big names at right tackle this offseason. And, you know, all three of them from, you know, uh, Mike McGlinchey, Kale McGarry and Juwan Taylor all got signed this offseason. So all the top three right tackles uh, going into the free agency period off the board now for the Bears to sign here. And then defensive line for the Bears. Like I thought they would be a lot more active adding buys to the to defensive line. Like you talk about the guys that are three tech position guys. Javon Hargrave signed the 49ers in the first day of free agency. Jermont uh, Jones signed the Seattle Seahawks um, after a couple of days of negotiations with them. And then Zach Allen signed with the Cardinals on a three-year deal. And, and some of the other big-name defensive tackles got signed as well. So, you know, I thought those would be two areas where the Bears would really be aggressive addressing those two spots. And, you know, it sounds like they were in on McGlinchey until, like, the Broncos swooped in at the last second. But I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of a disappointment so far that they haven't addressed those two areas because those were the two biggest areas to address for me in the offseason. And so far, now it seems like, you know, unless something changes here, that we're going to kind of have to wait till the draft to see those areas uh, be addressed here. You're right. And I don't mean to pivot too much, but some more breaking news on the podcast with Orlando Brown Jr. basically signing a four-year, $65 million deal with the Cincinnati Bengals, by the way, moving over from the Kansas City Chiefs. This is significant because so many Bears fans wow. kind of were, 
Yeah, and it's $31 million in signing bonus, but it's significant because so many fans wanted Orlando Brown Jr. And when he didn't go ahead and he did not sign within the first two days, I'm like, this is dragging out to late Wednesday, early Thursday. And the longer it drags out, the more his price is going to go down, which I can confidently say the Bears were one of the teams that were in on Orlando Brown Jr. It was all just a matter of money. But getting back to it, right? It's been all about money for the Bears when it comes to these offensive and defensive linemen, all right? We know for a fact that this team needs so much help on both sides of the football in the trenches. They have not made any serious attempt to really, really upgrade in terms of the starting lineup. You look at this, and it's just been disappointing, right? Because you miss out on Mike McGlinchey, a guy you weren't willing to pay $17, $18 million a year for. And the Bears went down to the wire with the Broncos for – McGlinchey. Jawan Taylor, I don't ever think was a realistic option for this team. And then you look at Draymond Jones signing for three years, $48 million, coming in at roughly 16 to $17 million a year. This is just one of those where the Bears had the resources, but I just think stubbornness got in the way of the front office kind of overpaying because it's almost like this that there's certain positions that are so essential to the success of your football team you kind of have to dish out a little extra money for them and so really what this comes down to is just you know it's going to be the draft and one quick note to make is this, is that when we look at Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham and Matt Eberflus, I mean, I've said this before, but I will say it again because we're kind of living in the moment to add some additional perspective in there. These guys come from organizations, the Chiefs, the Colts, the Ravens, the Eagles. Those teams have primarily built the trenches through the NFL draft. And so it's one of those where, you know, you are seeing a bit of that kind of homegrown talent and philosophy really play a part here. But then at the same time, you know, if there's a chance there to go upgrade, you do so by any means. And the Bears clearly have not upgraded yet. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. No, they certainly haven't upgraded. And, you know, speaking of the offensive tackle market, like, I, wow, I'm surprised that Cincinnati was willing to shell out the big bucks for. Orlando Brown there, I did not see that coming whatsoever because they kind of it felt like they had both tackles kind of solidified with Jordan Williams and um, blanking on their right tackle here that they signed Lyle Collins, who they signed last year, but didn't great get great play out of either of those guys last year. So that certainly shakes things up quite a bit. So, I mean, all your big name tackles then, I guess, are off the board now for the Bears. Now, I said this earlier and a couple of our podcasts earlier with Zach, but um, I did not see Brown ever being a fit with the Bears because he's just he doesn't fit what they want to do on offense. He's not an athletic guy. He can't execute this outside zone blocking scheme that they want to run. So I, it's not surprising to me that they weren't willing to you know sign Orlando Brown to a significant contract there. He just the money didn't make sense. The fit didn't make sense um, whatsoever there. So I'm not I'm not too hung up on that. But yeah, like McGlinchey, 
you know, obviously it should be said that the Broncos, it sounds like the issue with the Bears not signing McGlinchey was that the Broncos came at the last second and basically offered more guarantee money than the Bears were willing to offer McGlinchey there. Like it sounds like the, the Bears were comfortable in that $40 million range for guarantee money, but the Broncos offered McGlinchey $50 million in guarantees. And that's kind of what, um, you know, that's that was the kind of the determining factor for McGlinchey there. So, and again, that was a sign that we all thought was going to happen before uh, free agency open. Like it felt like, you know, the first sign that was going to be announced was going to be Mike McGlinchey to the bears. And, you know, when that didn't happen, you know, obviously um, that kind of shook things up and it sounds like the bears really, you know, they, they kind of went with a Mike McGlinchey or a bust approach at right tackle. It's kind of the impression that I got. I don't know if you feel the same way you say, but we didn't really hear them involved with any of the other big names in the right tackle market there. So I'm kind of curious if that was kind of somebody that they thought they were going to get. And then just Denver came in with an offer at the last minute that really just, they they were uncomfortable making at the time. I think that's kind of what happened for them there. You know, McGlinchey's not a great player. Am I, am I bummed that they haven't addressed right tackle? Yes, but there was risk involved with all of these right tackles um, in the free agency market this year. There's a reason why these guys got to the free agency market in the first place, right? Like McGlinchey, he's battled some injuries over the past few years. He's not a, not a great pass protector, um, kind of older, 28 years old for a guy getting to his second contract. Didn't really live up to expectations um, for the 49ers there as a first-round pick, although he's been a solid player, top 10 to 15 right tackle in the NFL. Um, but you look at Jawan Taylor, you know, not necessarily a great scheme fit because he's a just an atrocious run blocker, but pretty solid as a pass protector uh, throughout his career. And then Caleb McGarry, a one-year wonder who we know is not a great pass protector, but he can run block really well. But is he going to be a fit long-term because, you know, he played in the most run-heavy system in the NFL with the Falcons last year. So, you know, I don't know. And Orlando Brown, I talked about before how I'm not a huge fan of, you know, his fit in this offense here. So, you know, we talk about the offensive line quite a bit. Let's talk about the defensive line to kind of close things out here because this is where it gets interesting for me because the Bears had maybe the most embarrassing defensive line that I've ever seen on an NFL football field last year for any NFL team. Um, but it was that bad. And outside of the Walker signing, they really haven't done anything to address this unit. Like, I can understand them not wanting to put out the big bucks for Javon Hargrave, you know, 30 years old. You know, older player, he got a four-year, $21 million per year signing with the 49ers there, which, I mean, look, if you're going to be spending that type of money for a 30-year-old pass rusher, it makes sense that he wanted to go to the 49ers where they already have a loaded defensive front. They're a contending team. I, I can understand why that would, you know, win him over, over the Bears in that situation. But I don't know. I thought they'd be all over Jermont Jones. Uh, from the Denver Broncos who signed with the Seattle Seahawks because at $16 million per year for him, like with his pass rushing ability, I just thought that, and I'm not a huge Jones fan, I should say, like when a lot of uh, other Bears fans are kind of recommending him as like a Bears, you know, top free agent priority, I kind of pushed back on that a little bit because, you know, I, I do have some issues with Jones as a run defender. I don't think he's, you know, quite the best fit as a three technique in this system, but you know, he, he is a very talented pass rusher. And I thought at $16 million per year on a three-year deal, like, I don't know. I thought the Bears with how much money they have to spend this year would be all over that just to add some talent and some pass rushing juice to this defensive front. And for them to not do that whatsoever, I don't know. And then at the edge position, like Marcus Davenport signed a one-year deal with the Minnesota Vikings. I really like that deal for them. Like, 
could the Bears not have, you know, give him a couple million more, maybe more guarantees and incentives, kind of bring him in on a similar one-year deal? Like Marcus Davenport, he gets a lot of flack, I think, from a, a lot of, you know, casual friends out there. But you look at actually when you actually watch Davenport play, like that guy is a really freaking good player when he's actually healthy and on the field. So um, I don't know. Like I, I wish – you know, the names are starting to just dwindle off the list here. There's a lot of defensive linemen that have been just flying off uh, the free agency board, going to different teams, and the Bears haven't been in on any of these guys recently. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really questioning their approach to the defensive line and free agency this year because they have about $40 million to spend. You'd think they'd at least, you know, throw some money at somebody, but I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of worried that they're going to be pitching – pigeonholing themselves into having to address defensive line in the draft, which it's a great defensive line class, but you don't want to rely on defensive line solely of rookies here to start things off this season. You're right. And speaking of a class, that's great with defensive line. I mean, Jalen Carter did not have a very good pro day today and Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze were there to kind of watch him with pictures that were leaked. So, the deal I think comes down to this is that if you were to go into free agency and rank a lot of the Bears targets on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, Draymond Jones and Javon Hargrave should probably be the top two guys on your list. The Bears went heavy investing in linebacker and double dipping, but you could also argue that they did so at the expense of the defensive line. Now, what do you think this means? I mean, they have the money to sign another great player on defense and quite frankly I think that's where the next big signing needs to kind of go ahead and be because the reality of it is like this team needs a pass rush they can't go into another year of you know rotational guys and Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson as much as this regime seems to believe in those two guys you just need to find that game changer that is gonna be a rock in the middle of your defensive line for years to come they tried to do it last year with Larry Ogunjobi completely ignoring the fact that he was coming off offseason surgery and really was a guy that only had one good year so ultimately this is a situation where it goes back to what I said. Like they come from organizations, Eberflus, Poles, Cunningham, where they've drafted and developed defensive linemen and offensive linemen, and they seem to be wanting to stick to that approach. And they seem hesitant to really strike gold and swing for the fences when the opportunity is there. Yeah, and I understand. Like you don't want to overpay in free agency because that's how you get in trouble long term, especially. As a team that's still kind of rebuilding this roster, and I get why Ryan Poles wants to stay patient and not overextend himself too much at this point in time. But at some point, when you have this much money to spend, like you have to just go out there, be aggressive, and make a move. And even if you overpay a little bit, like you got to add some talent to the roster, especially at these key important positions. Like you cannot rely just on the draft um, to fill these spots. I'm sorry. Like we talk about the best teams in the NFL building through the draft, and that's true. But they also supplement the roster by making aggressive moves in the trade market and in free agency in the Bears. Like Ryan Poles has shown in the past that he's willing to overpay or spend a lot of resources on a guy that you know he's really high on. Like last year's Ogunjobi, this year's Tremaine Edmonds so far. Like he's clearly willing to go out there and spend money if he's got, I guess, going back to the Ryan Pace years, uh, conviction on a guy. We've heard that too many times here in Chicago. There's a little bit of a, a negative taint to that word 
nowadays. But um, yeah, it's just so odd that he's not what he was not willing to spend a lot of money. I can get right tackle because there were only so many options and you know, it is what it is like McGlinchey, You're just not comfortable with that number there. Um, but defensive line, the fact that they've made like zero signings at that spot besides the Marcus Walker is just really frustrating because I thought that was going to be a spot where they really attacked this year to get that position right because that really was what held them back, that defense back last year. That was the reason why their defense sucked last year, quite frankly. It wasn't the linebackers. It wasn't the secondary. They got fine play out of their back seven. It was because they had the worst front four in football, and they haven't addressed that properly whatsoever so you know they're gonna be aggressive in the draft to fix this thing i'm sure they have to bring in some some more bodies here at some point though you can't go into this year with what they have right now it's just it's really bad it's 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 dreadful you know i I, again i thought they'd be all in on some of these other signs like arden key went for eight million dollars a year to the tennessee titans i thought they'd be in on a guy like that i think he's a better player than demarcus walker personally so i'm kind of surprised they didn't go, you know, be more aggressive trying to get him in there. Um, you know, Charles O'Menahue going to the Kansas City Chiefs was another signing. Um, Obo Ogbonio went to the Cleveland Browns on a three-year deal. You know, just some guys that really solid values there, and they just weren't really interested in getting those guys into the building, I guess. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be an upward battle to kind of address that defensive line. We'll see how they address it moving forward, but it certainly impacts their draft as well. And we're going to see over the next few days whether we get even more signings in place here for the Bears. They've been pretty quiet on the, on the free agency front outside of the P.J. Walker news tonight, which was definitely unexpected. But, you know, we'll see how it goes moving forward here for this Bears team. Um, a lot of a lot of holes to fill still and a long ways to go. We're still very early in the free agency period. I think it's important to kind of point that out um, at this point in time is that this is technically the first day of free agency, you know, from an official standpoint here. So there is still a, a long ways to go until this roster is filled out and we get a, you know, a full view of what Ryan Pohl's plan was this off season, but we'll just have to, we'll just have to stay patient and see where we're at you know, when we get closer and closer to the draft where this roster starts to get filled out by more veteran signings. So without further ado, you say it's going to wrap it up for us here uh, today uh, as we recap the first few days of free agency here. Um, before we get out of here, uh, make sure to give us a follow on social media, on Twitter, at Pittsburgh Polls. Uh, give us a follow there for any updates for us on the podcast here and more um, draft news as well as we get more involved in that account as well. Um, Make sure to follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Bear Report. And then make sure to like, rate, and subscribe to us on all of your podcasting platforms here at Blue Wire for the Bear Report and Picture Polls here. You said, where can our listeners follow, follow you on social media and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I will have a takeaways from the first week of free agency piece dropping soon. Yeah, absolutely. And for me as well, I'm going to be getting out uh, grades for each free agency signing coming out here over the next, you know, within the next few days or so. Um, definitely look forward to that at the Bear Report as well. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. Um, it's, it's been an exciting few days. It's certainly been one of those situations where, you know, whenever I have a chance, I'm like on Twitter, just updating my feed as much as I can. I'm literally just sitting there on my phone, just updating, refreshing the entire time. It's one of those where um, you don't want to miss anything from, the free agency period 
And it's it's been an interesting start to free agency so far. The Bears have certainly improved this roster, and I'm looking forward to seeing what moves they make in the future here. Uh, but without further ado, Bears fans, it's going to wrap it up for us here uh, for our podcast today. Uh, have yourselves a great weekend. Um, stay in there for more Bears news and bear down. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com